to Doxed, the podcast. The internet is a wild west where reality and fiction intertwine, blurring the lines between the characters we see on our screens and the real people behind those characters. But what happens when our inability to distinguish the real from the imagined becomes harmful? Enter Colleen Ballinger, an online personality who has recently found herself at the center of a massive storm. Ballinger rose to prominence as the creative mind behind the wildly popular YouTube series, Miranda Sings. Her quirky and eccentric alter ego, Miranda, quickly captivated the hearts of millions, propelling Ballinger to internet stardom. But it is precisely this persona that has become the crux of the controversy surrounding her. For years, fans of Ballinger's work embraced Miranda Sings as a lovable and entertaining character. However, whispers began to circulate within the online community, questioning the intentions behind Ballinger's creation. Some critics argue that Ballinger's portrayal of Miranda perpetuates harmful stereotypes, particularly in terms of body image and mental impairment. Moreover, recent revelations have shed light on the discrepancy between Ballinger's public persona and her questionable interactions with her young fans. The disparity between the wholesome image projected by Ballinger and the complexity of her real-world experiences has ignited a firestorm of criticism. As her audience has aged over the 15 years since her initial rise to stardom, many who were once captivated by the seemingly naive character are left feeling manipulated and disillusioned. The Colleen Ballinger controversy has become a microcosm of the larger issues surrounding authenticity, responsibility, and the blurred lines between fiction and reality in the digital age. Join us as we peel back the layers of this controversy and seek to understand the lessons it offers in an ever-evolving landscape of entertainment and influence. Is it really, really hot there? It's so hot here. Uh, it's 81, so it's not terribly hot. And we also have AC, so we're doing pretty good. <laughs> I have a window unit. It is 79 now because it's about to rain, but it was 90 earlier. Oh, that's so hot. Jeez. That's so hot. I had to walk a dog in 90 degree heat. Horrible. How do we want to kick this off? Do you have notes? I have notes. I have some oh. notes. I haven't been consistent with my notes because I keep like watching videos and then getting so enthralled in the video that I don't take notes. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I'm not, I don't really have organized notes either. I just kept jotting stuff down. There's so much. Colleen, ooh, she's a strange one. Yeah, I think definitely by the time this episode comes out, there's going to be even more stuff rolling out because the stuff that happened today, it's July 3rd, was Trisha Paytas making a video. And that was some of the worst stuff that's happened. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I think different people have highlighted and some people have glossed over and one of the one of the wildest things that's happened I think was that she was sharing OnlyFans pictures of Trisha Paytas and they were doing like watch parties with fans but some of them were underage so that's yes. very serious right yeah oh my god 
And the other thing I felt like people, some people glossed over, which I felt was weird in her ukulele apology video. She references that she just was making a fart joke. And I think that I Nabber didn't understand what the fart joke was referencing, for example. And what it's referencing is her live stage shows. And there was a super fan named Becky who went to one of the shows and was not wearing enough clothes to be covered when her legs were split open on stage and there's like a fart noise because the joke is that it's like a yoga pose and then she farts or something yeah, was, she was wearing like a kind of like a slinky romper like a flowy romper yeah but she was underage too and felt horrible about it and really violated and then when she was leaving the show there were these like men gawking at her so she was obviously sexualized and the thing that really bothers me about that story is that there was there's not just kids in the audience there's adults in the audience too Mm -hmm. and who is sitting there not thinking there's a problem with what's going on there because I think I would think there was a problem well I've seen videos of her addressing her content on her Miranda Sings account more than once over the years she's been at this for a really long time and she says she says a couple of things one that her miranda sings content is pg-13 and she also says that her humor and like the content of her shows is for all ages and there's stuff that kids will laugh at and there's stuff that the adults there will laugh at that will go over the kids heads sexual innuendos that kids wouldn't get and it's like i don't think it's i don't think it's entirely possible to do that like i don't i don't know if that should be the goal anyway to have content that's literally for all ages if your humor on the adult end is gonna be that sexual that i mean if there's any kind of sexual innuendo it's not for all ages and it's not for you to decide this is going to go over kids' heads. It's for parents to decide that it's going to go over kids' heads. I don't know. It's just it's just a weird thing to say, to say that your content is for everyone when you have like eight-year-olds in the crowd and 40-year-olds in the crowd. Like, no. Well, I think also that that's just kind of a flimsy excuse for clearly that entire circle of people around Colleen has a lot of problems with talking to underage fans and doing inappropriate things. There's stuff that came out about um, about her brother, Trent, who was apparently allegedly also grooming kids. Did you hear about that? Yep. Yeah. So and that was like very recent. That was like 2018. And I think that a lot of these behaviors are pretty clearly grooming behaviors. And I don't know if Colleen is aware of them or just is that terrible at boundaries but I think some of that has to be like psychological subconscious stuff all those jokes the other really terrible stuff about the content which is just like I don't understand how it's funny I don't get the joke is the the pedophile uncle content where she's constantly implying that she has a sexual relationship with her uncle in within the character of Miranda Sings Mm -hmm. And it's it gets so creepy and it's so conscious of a joke. 
Like she, like it's very intentional. <laughs> yeah, I watched the series Haters Back Off on Netflix. Oh, you did? I did not. Oh, it's so uncomfy. It's, it's so uncomfy. Like the whole family structure is just kind of creepy, kind of gross. The sexual innuendo is like, it's too much. It's way too much. I don't understand how anyone would be like, oh, Miranda Sings is for kids. It's a kids channel. Absolutely not. What it is is that her humor is kind of like gross. It's gross humor that pretty much only kids would like. And her her viewership is mostly children. So she can't really stop if she's going to rack in the kind of money that she's racking in from the views that she gets. She's so she's kind of like trapped catering to kids, but then acting like she's not like you when you're a YouTube creator, you can't really act like you don't see your analytics and, and you don't see who the demographics of who's watching your content. It's like it's very much mapped out for you. One click and you can see the age ranges, the the race, the socioeconomic status, the the geographic you can see so much information, so much detail about who watches your stuff. And if the age bracket of who's mostly watching your stuff is ages 8 to 13, mm, maybe you shouldn't make you shouldn't be making like sexual jokes. It's just very weird. It is very weird. And there's also a lot of like body shaming stuff too, which again I think just speaks to the psychology of the person making the jokes and like what you're projecting but there's a lot of like even in the apology video the line about the my bony little back such yeah, a, a whole thing. ass body check in her ukulele video very weird very weird and one thing i have not seen anybody talk about i haven't seen anybody talk about it and i don't really i feel like the character should have just been put de- like retired a long time ago because isn't it kind of taking from blackface and minstrelsy with the weird lips like outside of the outside of the lips painting do you know what i mean yeah because also like who else is she around like shane dawson and then even um trisha paytas like these people also have done blackface yeah it's like a through line and even if the character it's more of like a caricature of a disabled person rather than a black person but i think it's kind of i think it's doing something similar do you i mean it's not great <laughs> um i didn't even i didn't even think about the whole red lip thing it is it kind of leans a little minstrel showy but also in terms of the like origin story of how she created miranda sings i've heard or I've seen a, a video clip of her saying herself from her own mouth that she was inspired to create the character based on a disabled family member of hers. Which, if that's a lie, if that was just a joke, that's ooh, that's an icky joke. If it's not a joke and it's true, ooh, that's even worse. I've also heard from her in another clip when she was being interviewed about her character is that she went to. A university in Azusa, like Azusa Pacific University, her classmates, she said that she was inspired to create Miranda Sings based on her fellow classmates and how her classmates 
really believed in themselves and like really talked themselves up in their talent and their singing ability, but she did not believe that they had talent. She made it seem like they were just very unaware. They're just very unaware of themselves and how talentless they were, but very cocky about it. Just like Miranda sings. And so the character was basically just to mock the students that she went to college with, which also not great. (laughs) Yeah. Or there's the third story. There's like three different stories. And the third one is that it was based off of herself as a younger person, which I think just shows a lot of self-hatred in that case. So wherever that character is coming from, I don't think it's, I don't think it's great. (laughs) It's not great. (laughs) There's also just a lot of like weird deep-seated like understandings of children and what's appropriate for children. She was discussing her divorce with children over these group chats. She Mm -hmm. was sending, and I mean the underwear thing. Yeah, it looks like it was a whole joking thing on their, on their live. It wasn't like, it's it's weird because until this stuff about Trisha Paytas, where they're sending OnlyFans pictures in group chats with minors, and Colleen Colleen's doing that directly, and then it's it's also creepy because she just told Trisha Paytas apparently, no, I didn't do this. A fan just sent it to me. So if that's true, she was like in her house lying to her face, which is just kind of chilling that somebody can do that when they do even know you in real life you know but Mm -hmm. until that you're kind of like well I think there's a different there's like grooming children and then there's like what do you what's your actual end goal for that I think her end goal was more like bend these people's boundaries and then use them for labor for you know to, to trauma dump on to emotionally use however but I still would definitely call it grooming but then it kind of crosses the line, first of all, with the weird bra and underwear sending to a to a child, which I guess she says in her ukulele video that she's taking accountability for something. And she had made a statement about that, but she really just mischaracterized what had happened, I think, and really brushed it off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then she reduced the whole experience of her fan in the live show to a fart joke. And really mistakes intent for impact (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in that whole apology. But anyway, I think it just crosses a line when you're like sharing OnlyFans content. Like that's really not good. And she definitely was asking for like naked pic. Like you could see how it could read as a joke. But why are you even in these chats with children? Don't do that. Don't even get in the chat. It's so, so gross. And I know YouTube is a completely different animal than any other social media platform that's out there. Like YouTube is, I guess in my, in my opinion, YouTube is a social media platform. You create long form content, you build community around your content. And it's, it makes sense that these big YouTube creators, especially like the OG ones, especially in the beginning of their careers, probably wanted to be involved in the community that they built around their platform. They wanted to be like somewhat close. I don't know if close is the right word, but definitely in some kind of community with the people that were watching and and following. The group chat thing, though, seems like a little 
much, especially when you build a platform and the millions upon millions upon millions. It's not really a community anymore. And we've talked about this in several episodes, like over a certain amount of followers or a certain amount of viewership. It's not really community. And I think in the case of YouTube, especially with someone that's like a YouTube powerhouse, like like Colleen, or more so Miranda Sings, that's an even bigger account than her Colleen Ballinger account. When you're communicating with your fans, not community, your fans on that like kind of interpersonal level where you're in a group chat with them, it just kind of feels like you you know that there's like a power dynamic there. If you're a YouTuber with millions upon millions of followers and you take the step to create a group chat with just like a handful of people that are your super fans, that's not friendship, that's not community, that's not you being close with anyone, it's you fully understanding. You have super fans that would do anything to be able to say that, oh my god, I'm in a group chat with this famous person that I idolize and they tell me about their personal life and like, Oh, it's just kind of, gr- it seems like an abuse of power because yeah, you're not so their friend. Levels. Even if they weren't kids, just it's, it's a parasocial relationship. And this is part of this broader conversation we've been having about what can be so dangerous about people that get these huge followings. And especially when they don't understand boundaries and how to navigate being, having that kind of responsibility because it's a totally a responsibility. And this is, again, before you're even dealing with children, you should not be in a group chat with children. But there's a lot of power in those one-sided relationships. And there's also a lot of power in that age difference. When you're 14, you think a 31-year-old is really cool. You mm-hmm. think they can do no wrong. I can, I guess I can see not understanding that at the time. But... What I can't really see is when somebody comes at you and says, wow, this really scarred me. (laughs) And it was pretty clearly inappropriate making light of that and saying that, you know, somebody had made a TikTok about how her apology video fit Darvo, which is, Mm -hmm. oh, I never remember the, the letters. Oh, no. Deny, attack, reverse victim and offender roles. And I think she did all of that. And she positioned herself as a victim of just the cancel train or whatever. And I do think a lot of people were making fun of that as even the worst apology in the history of YouTuber apologies. But it's an earworm. And she had some kind of filter on probably, but she looked good doing it. And I think that is going to when some people I mean it seems like she's lost a lot of followers but people survive these kind of cancellations it's definitely something that you can weather and I think that the song apology was an interesting play because I think there's a certain audience that will go for that and she does have one of those audiences that will attack like I think uh, people were you know threatening to dox Adam I don't know if they actually doxed him they but did. They did. So mm-hmm. that's the exact kind of following that we've seen elsewhere. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it can be very dangerous when people just want to go after anybody that's going to possibly bring down their comfort creator. And I can really see in Adam 
that kind of frustration. Some people criticize him for that, for being very, uh, what's the word? He's got kind of like a righteous anger around Mm -hmm. this. And I mean, I would say rightly so, because he was coming out with this stuff in 2020 and it didn't really stick. And that must have been incredibly frustrating. And And he was still a kid at the time. Yeah, you can hear him kind of still working through some of what must have been pretty traumatic because he did get used. I, I similarly, I was, I was used for labor at the age, around that age, that in a way that was really unfair. And I remember getting older over the next few years and starting to look back and be like, oh no, like (laughs) that really sucks. And I was angry at the people that did that to me too. And to have looked up to somebody and realized that they used, yeah, you can see them kind of working through it. I think it's important to to detail the labor that Adam was used for and how he got involved with the Ballingers. It wasn't just Colleen, it was her whole family that he was involved yeah. with. And he discovered her content on YouTube at age nine. He was a baby when he started watching Colleen Ballinger and the, the Miranda Sings character. And he joined YouTube. I'm getting this from uh, Swoop, Swoop's video, just as a reference point. And he joined YouTube at 13 and joined, he specifically said in an interview with Swoop that as a kid, he was very much into fandom culture and being a part of these really like intense fandom communities. It's like the epitome of parasocial relationship is the whole like fandom culture. And you see it a lot with like K-pop stands, like how people talk about K-pop stands, like yeah. it's like an intense community. And yeah. he was all for it as a kid. So and he recognized like the like how the reward system kind of worked with Colleen and her fandom and her family on Twitter. The more you engage, the more you retweet, the more you interact with these people the more they notice you and kind of bring you into the fold and when he had showed her that he was a super fan he was willing to do whatever just to be seen just to be a part of the unity to be in contact with her she absolutely took advantage of this kid and he was doing like full-blown social media management for colleen for free for years unpaid social media management for years and she had given him the login to her twitter and was basically like hey take over my twitter and i think she had just had her first kid at the time and i mean i'm sure that was like a huge life change and she probably didn't want to be on social media as much especially having a kid that was willing to do the work for her unpaid And he came up with all these tweets that went viral for her and like responded and replied to people on her behalf as her, no one really knowing that it wasn't actually her. And one tweet didn't go over well. Um, There was a tweet about Miranda Sings like coming out or something like that. And it was called out as queer baiting. Yeah, it was called out as queer baiting, which understandably so. Also, Adam was a kid and sent everything to Colleen to look over and okay first 
before going public with anything he tweeted. But when it didn't go over well, she she just suddenly just never talked to him again. She just cut him off. That broke his heart because he didn't mean any harm. He didn't know. And instead of like addressing it and then having a conversation with him like like you would with a kid who doesn't understand how these things work. Not that that's her job. I mean, that's more of a parent's job or a mentor's job. And she wasn't either of those things to him. He probably saw her as a mentor, but she didn't see him as anyone that she valued to want to teach or bring up in any way. She wanted to use him for free labor. But if I had like an intern or something that was doing work for me and we came up against something like that, you would think as the adult or as the more experienced person in the dynamic that you would like have a conversation and build them up and tell them, hey, it's these things happen. It's it's social media. Everyone gets canceled every now and then. It's okay. Like we'll get through it. Or maybe this isn't the job for you, but we're still good. She just absolutely ghosted him. Yeah. And another thing that makes me really uncomfortable about that, in addition to just child labor, is that an exploitation is that she did early on say in the text that if he did a good job, he would get paid eventually and could be like upgraded to some kind of intern or paid person and just dangled it. So it just really reads as love bombing to me that Mm -hmm. she acted like that. There would be some kind of reward. And then later on talking about it was just diminishing the entire relationship. That must've been so devastating. And you can Mm -hmm. hear in the way he talks about it, that it really was. There's also this kind of weird reversal of like parent and child dynamic that it seems like she wants to do, which reminds me a little bit of Kyle Cease. <laughs> but mm. it's like this, 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 this not wanting to recognize at certain times that you're putting yourself in the position of a leader and somebody that people rely on and trust to be safe. And suddenly you want to be the child and seen as the victim and lean on these people and trauma dump and use their emotional labor and support. And it's like, she was doing that to children, but you know, but she's talking Mm -hmm. to them about things that are, she's like using them as a therapist, which is bad boundaries. So I think it's important for any, any influencer to understand boundaries uh, because it just magnifies toxicity to have that big of a platform. And it's also such an interesting time because I think there's a reason it didn't really stick in 2020 to her. It seems like this is more of a time for people to have a more nuanced discussion about boys and men being victims too, and about women being whatever you want to call that offenders <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in, maybe different ways from men. Like we had this Me Too movement, but you almost couldn't have a nuanced conversation about it. And it's like a couple of these people that we're looking at, I think are able to fly under the radar in certain ways because I don't know, it's harder to see men as victims sometimes, especially when it's like a sexual related thing. Mm -hmm. When someone is a child you want to see Adam as like an as a as more grown up than he is able to make the decisions more than he was and he was really 
trashed by an adult. Oh, by many adults when he finally told his story. Yeah. He was trashed by a lot of grown-ass, huge YouTubers. Yeah. Which must have been devastating. Mm-hmm. So I can understand his, I can understand the anger. People are like, well, some people are kind of worried for him, but like, I got it. I got it. It's like, I can <laughs> kind of really, I know our situation was vastly different in detail from Adam's situation, but when you share something awful on your platform to not just tell your story, but to connect with other people that maybe have similar stories, to relate to others, to to feel like you have someone to lean on, maybe relate to, maybe once you fully understand per social relationships, you understand social media is not the place to like <laughs> relate on that kind of level with people with your trauma. Because people will definitely weaponize it. But he shared his story and we shared ours and there's just these perfect strangers that are just like nope you're a liar you're lying about everything big fat liar it's like where do you get off telling anyone that their experience that they lived through didn't happen as a bystander that knows nothing about anything how do you decide that my experience didn't happen like we're both still dealing with that today people that just think we have been lying about everything we've gone through the entire time and people did the same thing to adam and now three years later you see like the apology tours of some big like especially drama channel youtubers are like you know i was so awful to adam i didn't believe him three years ago but i totally believe him now why because there's a bandwagon you can jump on now it's weird weird energy yeah and i think it seems like there's a lot of politics and strategy going on because there was this weird, like, delayed release of the the Trisha Paytas proof or whatever. And there was also a delayed release of some of the proof around what Adam was saying, like, stuff that people could have come out with in 2020 and they waited and released it for other reasons, it seems well, like. He, and- he released his proof, but people didn't believe him. And... I think it's Cody, Cody Rance. Yeah. Cody Tyler. Mm-hmm. Like they had the same screenshots because they were in the same group chats and they could have corroborated Adam's story the whole time. Like Adam had every receipt anyone could ever need to be validated in what he went through. Adam had the underwear. Yeah. Are you tired of feeling unsafe online? Do you want to learn how to protect yourself from cyberbullying, doxing, and other forms of online harassment? Then look no further than Doxed the Podcast. Visit the website doxthepodcast.com to sign up for the Doxed free ebook full of helpful tips and resources for online safety. Plus, when you sign up, you'll receive the weekly newsletter with the latest updates on upcoming content. There are many ways to connect with Doxed, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Have a story to share or feedback to give? Use the contact form on the site to reach out or leave a voice message to be featured on the show. And for exclusive content, subscribe to the Doxed Supercast to gain access to the private podcast feed with member-only exclusives. Take control of your online safety and join the Doxed community today. Yeah, the underwear, the screenshots, uh, 
it's Cody could have helped. She could have helped him and chose not to and chose to gaslight and say that he was making it up. And that's like, <laughs> that's like, OK, yesterday, I think, or the day before in the discord, one of our friends was like, oh, I just talked to someone and they said that, you know, it's, it's Roxy's fault. This whole thing happened anyway. And it's like and also said something about like me lying six months later. Fucking complete strangers that know nothing about me think that I have been lying this whole time about everything, even though I have my own receipts, you have your own receipts. It's just weird because these random people that just decide who they think you are based on, I don't even know what, what you look like on screen, what you sound like, I don't know. They can just make your life a living hell if there's enough of them. I think it's more like people are going in with the mindset of someone's attacking my favorite creator and it doesn't matter what you say or what your proof is, you know, to some people. And then the tide turns, like becomes it becomes politic for people to change their minds at a certain point. And you definitely see that in the situation with how people treated Adam. I think Trisha Paytas's video today was really interesting because I also went back and looked at they they had done a podcast together, her and Colleen, for like a month, which seems like that's done. But even in that in that month, it was a weird dynamic between them that felt I mean, I don't know them, but it felt like like Trisha was trying to kind of like, I don't know, it felt like both of them thought that Trisha was inferior to call Colleen, mm-hmm. which is a weird dynamic. Like well, Colleen and her best friend, her bestie assistant person, whoever there's a long history of Colleen absolutely trashing Trisha behind the scenes and making fun of her for years. Yeah. So it's almost like, it's almost like a shame that Trisha felt like she had to go on some kind of podcast and do that with Colleen. And then for her to come out with her video today and be like, and she had every right. Like, I think she's completely right. She's a, she is a sex worker and that doesn't mean that you just get to pass people's pictures around and it was paywall content. Mm-hmm. And she had a really good point that there's a reason it's behind a paywall that is not for minors. Mm-hmm. Why was that content going around to minors? That's a problem. Directly to minors. Yeah. But also it's just weird. I mean, it's body shaming and sex shaming. And that video was so she anyway, she had a, she had every right to say what she did and to make a break from the friendship. But I also felt like it was almost like a weird dynamic to start with, where it was like it had nothing to do her alignment with Colleen in the first place was not about friendship it was like this politics and then that was the political moment to just be like all right we're gonna jump away from her now you know it was a weird move to align with colleen i have like a i I don't love trish paytas you never have she's like super problematic and then she had this brief moment of being on um she went on the h3 podcast and then became friends with ethan and Ela, and then yeah Ethan and her did Frenemies, and Frenemies was gold. Like, that was a gold podcast. Like, I don't like either of them, but I love them together because they're so petty together. And then they'd have these big blow-up fights, and, like, the Frenemies podcast broke up, like, every three months, and then it finally ended. But that Frenemies podcast was a big career saver 
for Trisha. I think she wanted to move away from sex work when she got into a serious relationship that turned into a marriage that like she wanted to be a mom. Not to say that you can't do sex work while also being a wife and mother. Like that's whatever. But I think she wanted to move away from doing that and doing the podcast with Ethan was like, oh, I can do, I'm capable of other things. I'm good at other things. People like seeing me do other things. And I think she's been trying to recreate that magic that she had with Ethan with anyone else. Like Trisha's done a couple of podcasts and the only one that really worked was Frenemies until it didn't work. So maybe that's why she aligned with Colleen is like a, this is like an, an odd pair. Maybe it'll work. No, no. <laughs> because with Ethan and her, they had an actual friendship. Ethan actually cared about Trisha and they became family in law. Colleen mm, it was weird. I think she was banking on like the whole odd couple thing would work. And it just, no, it, it didn't read as authentic watching them together. No, it read as like a Mean Girls thing. You, you know, I watched mm -hmm. some kind of video of Adam actually talking through one of their episodes and just pointing out so much of the language we're calling. Colleen is like humble bragging about herself. And Trish is like, oh, yeah, you remind me of like a head cheerleader sorority girl. And she's like, Haha, yeah. And like, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's really it's kind of uncomfortable almost, especially in retrospect, understanding mm -hmm. that behind the scenes, Colleen was trying to shame her that way. Um, yeah. You almost, I do feel, I don't really know anything about Trisha Paytas besides just a surface level couple of things that I know she's been, uh, she's done that are really problematic, but I never really followed her content. But I feel bad for her. <laughs> and I think whether it was like a political move or not, I would also part ways and I think it was right of her to stand pretty strong against because she because she was talking about how she has hard boundaries and hard lines about talking to underage fans and good that seems yeah. like a very good hard line to have <laughs> well she has yeah. a history of being sexualized as a kid and sexually assaulted as a kid by adults by teachers at her middle school, elementary school. So, and she's all as problematic as Trisha is. She has always really stood firm on you do not mess with minors. If there's too big of an age gap, you leave minors alone. You leave young 20s alone if you're in your 30s, if you're in your 40s. Like, leave younger people, especially younger women alone. It's like, it's hard to hate Trisha because... That's the one thing she's been really consistent about is young children and young girls and women being exploited and taken advantage of, especially by people in power. Like she definitely recognizes power dynamics because she's been there, done that. Yeah. So then Colleen is not the person to align with because mm -mm. there's so much problematic stuff there. And it's hard to understand, too. Because there's a certain kind of person who is 30-something talking to teens. And it's a kind of person that can't make friends their own age. But I don't understand what the deal is with Colleen. And it seems like she does have kind of a circle of people her own age. Why is she reaching to children? Like, is it really just 
some kind of t- liking to take advantage of power dynamics thing because it doesn't seem like you would need to do that she is beautiful she had popularity friends money what drives you to have a group chat called the weenies with a bunch of people who are underage and ask them things like are you a virgin and can i see pictures of your butt (laughs) and what tell me a story about your first period that you had what makes you want to do that and she even she says like i was not i was just like the creepy aunt or which is telling given given that entire uncle character it's projection it is like an unfortunate projection and is that really what it is like you're working out some kind of something that was that's i don't know that entire family seems to be working out some sort of some sort of stuff from childhood you know and also her friend Corey, who was the one who was wearing the bra was also in group chat with group chats with minors saying he thinks of all of them as best friends even though he knows they're minors and like it's just it's quintessential grooming behavior it which is why is everybody doing that why because it just doesn't seem like necessary unless you just really want to enjoy that power differential that you have and the and the pliability Mm -hmm. of kids you know Mm -hmm. the pliability of kids yep and it affected it seriously affected people there was one uh comment that i screen grabbed because i think there must be a lot of people that it affected this way but the comment said colleen slash miranda jokes she had about quote uncle jim who is this creepy uncle also made me view the relationship I had with both my father and uncle as normal. I'm not blaming Colleen for what happened to me, but Miranda normalized it and made me stay quiet for a long time. So that's terrible. That's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And looking at that book, her self-help book too, it's exactly the book for kids whose parents were not paying attention to what they were doing online it's it's filled with some really weird disturbing stuff not for kids but it's completely dressed up like it's for kids mm, gross yeah and it's a really fragile time for kids like for like being a female at 13 is a horrible time Especially in this day and age. I could not imagine being a preteen in 2023. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or even 2013. It's just. I don't know. There's a part of me that doesn't want to believe that Colleen intentionally wanted to groom children. Well, that's what I want. Yeah. Part of me wants to believe that she just has absolutely no self-awareness and really shitty boundaries and has a lot of money and a lot of power and just doesn't think twice about anything. Maybe thinks that she's invincible and has gotten away with this for a while. I don't I don't think she's like a child predator, but she is someone who whose content should just not be accessible to children. Well, I I agree because I don't think 
I don't think anybody would have done that apology video if you thought that you. <laughs> um, but the problem is that she's not acknowledging, refuses to acknowledge people's the impact that it had on people. And mm-hmm. uh, that's irresponsible. So I don't know. And, and then it, I don't know. It kind of brings you to a question of like, what is accountability? Like, what do you look for? as accountability in this situation i think like more people hearing and believing adam is great Mm -hmm. more people hearing these stories but you know you can't control her entire following out of following her you can't people bounce back from this kind of thing and they still have platforms what do you what do you consider enough if somebody's just never going to be aware and i don't think it is worth like tying yourself out trying to punish somebody but the content is dangerous because it's affecting people that way not just people that were at the shows not just the people that were in the comments but even just impressionable kids and some of that's on the parents some of that's just on you know I really still I can't stop thinking about why weren't adults in that show in that audience nobody that nobody said anything why not very very weird yeah and yeah. also i think it's important to recognize that maybe the colleen ballinger thing is like a little bit different but i have been a spectator to a lot of youtuber cancellations over the last few years and what happens on youtube when you consume a lot of YouTube content, it seems like this is breaking news, global news. No, it's YouTube news. I mean, there are some like major news publications writing about Pauline in a way that I haven't seen other YouTubers be written about, like off platform and talk about off platform. Um, also, TikTok is kind of like a new thing that's been added to the mix of cancellations on other platforms. It all kind of migrates to TikTok and then kind of goes off the rails there i think the reason why a lot of youtubers bounce back from things like this and worse or not as bad as this is because youtube is kind of like its own little it's like uh i can't think of the word it's like its own little thing it doesn't really reach far outside of like youtube culture this might and I hope it does because it's awful. Like what she's what she's done, the lives that she's impacted, the fact that it affects minors, it's affected children, it's traumatized Adam. You can see it in his eyes. You can hear it in his voice. Like he's still processing major trauma yeah. from what he experienced, not just directly from Colleen, but the backlash that he got for years for for speaking out, and is only now being validated and vindicated for it yeah that's what i was trying to say earlier is like you can see him still working through stuff which is warranted because he's still kind of you know going through it yeah and i i hope that colleen is able to recover from this like i don't think she doesn't deserve to like die because of what she did it's awful again i don't believe it she was like intentionally trying to hurt children it is sad to, oh, I hope you didn't hear that. Huge fireworks are going off. Um, it is sad that she doesn't seem to like get it in terms of acknowledging her actions and 
taking responsibility for the impact of her actions, but also what does accountability really look like in terms of being a YouTube creator? Well, exactly. I mean, I think you could, people would probably call it performative, but whatever, you could donate to causes like, um, you could put money toward trying to correct for some of the things. I don't know. Like, I think that's part of something you could do materially to take accountability. You could probably privately apologize and then just agree that beyond that, you're not going to contact these people in the future mm-hmm. and just acknowledge that your actions impacted people. And if that's not going to happen, I mean, yeah, I do think that this is a broader conversation right now because of the importance of the conversation about parasocial relationships. And I think it's a moment of looking at women. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where they're kind of the ones in the power, in the, the power position. I think that's, it's like a new level of nuance people are ready to have in public discourse. So that. This is a really interesting example, but I mean, Illuminati just happened as well. And there's a couple of examples. And so I think, I think it is going to rise out into, and people are talking about doxing a lot. I noticed that a lot of different levels of media are interested in questions of doxing and people's safety in a world where that's pretty much just very easy to do to anyone. And yeah, I think yeah, Adam had said that he had been doxxed and he had been swatted as a no, minor, as a kid. Swatted, which must be so scary. I can't imagine his parents. Obviously, it sounds like they tried to do to do the right things. Like they took the lingerie away when it was arrived at their house, and the mom eventually told Colleen to not talk to them anymore. So it sounds like the parents were trying to protect him. They were trying. There was a moment that he was talking about how he was, he's from Derry, Ireland, which is like not really close to Dublin, which is like where everyone, all the tourists go. And there was this moment when he, I want to say he was like maybe 15 or 16, so still very young. And she made plans to meet up with him in Dublin and like go to lunch together and go to a yeah. go to the wax museum or something out there. And he had to travel like five hours by bus or by train or something like that. And he went by himself. And as he's getting there, she's changing the plans. She's telling him, oh, we already had lunch. Like, just didn't really care about him. I was like, oh, where are you? Why are you taking so long? I'm like kind of having that energy with him. And he was getting flustered and anxious. And like he's a kid navigating a, a city that he does not know because he is not from there. And even if he wasn't a kid, let's say he was an adult going through that. Like I would be super anxious if I was going to meet someone that I admired and they were they were treating me like that the whole way there and just kind of disregarding our plans as I'm trying to find my way to them. Just imagine being a kid and a full-grown adult just like not giving a single shit that you are traveling by yourself for hours just to like just to hang out with you. And he said his mom was like pissed and like you need to come home. (laughs) So like 
yeah parents are definitely aware but it's just like oh i can't imagine just letting a kid flounder like that in a city they don't even know well i think they were increasingly aware the more that that kind of thing went on but that is another example of why that's very dangerous and i just don't think that she still is recognizing but you know what really catches me is the fact that Apparently, she just told Trisha Paytas straight to her face that they weren't, that she wasn't sending these pictures, and she was. So, that's the kind of thing that makes, that gives me a little spine chill, because it's like, you do look very uh, unassuming, you look very wholesome in your ukulele video, and not following you closely over the years. I could see myself buying that, you know, the other, she also was in Comedian's in cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld and there's a whole audience there that I I think has a similar take about like cancellation there's there's audiences that that are sick of the idea of cancellation without looking into what's actually going on and that would pretty easily just buy the the idea that she's wholesome and she's just getting ganged up on at least everybody's having fun <laughs> She did some real damage to her fans. And I think it's important to have these conversations because there's just 10, 10 million of these people out there. Anybody with a large platform, it's as healthy as they are. And there's a lot of people out there with large platforms that are not thinking about boundaries and not thinking that it matters, probably. I wish I would have looked more into the whole fandom culture thing. I think it would be good to talk about how intense and toxic certain fandoms can be and how they can be just like weaponized to cause harm to anyone that has anything negative to say about the object of the fandom. Yeah, because I think that's exactly what happened in this case. People just went after Adam and didn't think twice. And that's exactly the kind of, and I think that's exactly the way that you create that kind of following too, is what she was doing. Because the other thing that I was reading was she would like pit fans against each other. She would talk bad about somebody to somebody else. And she describes that as like wanting to be friends with everybody. But what that really is doing is like triangulating and making everybody compete for, to have the most attention. And I think even talking about just super fan culture and yeah the idea that adam was into into that and that's the entire game right like it's it's get enough attention get get attention from your favorite comfort creator Mm -hmm. your favorite influencer do whatever you can and so it just feeds right into that exact like now we're playing this competitive game of who can be the favorite fan and what are we willing to do for that and people also just don't really understand part of that parasocial misunderstanding is not realizing how much of a force you can be when you're not just one, but you're one of a million fans trying to dock someone mm-hmm. or trying to hurt them or whatever it is. I guess it's kind of hard to have any concept of being a part of a huge horde of people. Like you think you're, you're doing a single action on behalf of someone that you're a fan of and you're probably hoping that that person that you admire will notice your one action. It's hard to think past yourself and realize 
you know, a million other people are having that exact same thought and are taking similar actions with you. But I think that's why this is important to understand parasocial relationships and the boundaries that you need to have. I mean, I don't know how you manage that as a social media influencer or a TikTok creator or YouTube creator. I don't I don't know that you can manage that for your following. But I was watching um, a commentary channel that they have a pretty big channel and they were talking about the whole William Ballinger thing and like how they have been invited to group chats with their fans and they will step in for a second and say, hey, thank you so much for supporting me. Thank you for watching this video. Check out my next video. And then they dip out that they don't try to trade as if they are friends with their fans and like maybe that's the way to go about it like don't even try to like act like your friends well that was one of the most striking things there's a couple things that jumped out where colleen said some of the same phrases as Allie, <laughs> as our cyberbully, and one of them was these aren't my fans these aren't my followers they're my friends that to me is a huge red flag. No, they're not. One other thing that I have written down that I don't even know what it says, but apparently Colleen's dad has his own YouTube channel and had for a long time or has a public playlist of inflation videos that like the kids would go find as an Easter egg. <laughs> Do you know what I mean when I say that? Uh-uh. You know, you don't know what an inflation video is? No, what's that? It's like a sexual inflation of someone's belly. Like, <laughs> it's what? like, a, it's like a very disturbing, it's not disturbing, like, I'm not going to kink shame, but it, what's disturbing about it is that most of the people that visited that YouTube page were doing so because his daughter was Holy Ballinger and most of those people were underage and it's, it's like a it's like a pretty far out there sexual fetish and he had like a whole playlist of these videos on his youtube oh no i should have brought that up earlier but it's like an entire family thing so you do kind of wonder i feel like it is just like trauma you didn't work through so you think it's funny instead of horrifying colleen <laughs> but Aww, it's not but it doesn't mean you can i know but it doesn't mean you can't it doesn't mean you can do that to other people. Like you can't, you can't use kids as your therapists. That's not fair. No, her processing her divorce with children is so weird. Yeah, but it's, it just, it like, it speaks to the kind of boundaries I think that she must have had. That entire family must have had growing yeah. up. It's not good. And, and what is account? what does accountability look like out of this either? I think just the conversation is important. So I'm sure in the next couple of weeks between now and when we post this, more will continue to unravel because it really does look like there's always somebody behind these things trying to orchestrate it a little bit. And so I'm sure there's just more tea to be dropped because it is it is like part of the entertainment machine, too, to make sure this all unfolds in a way that feels like our television show for the week. And there's something kind of gross about that. Like there's something very um, feels a lot like Black Mirror to sit there and listen to her ukulele song about, you know, 
feels very but it's but it's it's almost like an interesting commentary on the whole thing because it's disgusting to make light of it like that but it's exactly what the whole thing is all public and it is all everybody's entertainment there's no ignoring that that's kind of what everybody's consciously engaging in like this is all real people's lives and this is all everybody's entertainment as well for the week well i think it'll also continue to unfold because of the first go around of trying to expose Pauline for what she did to adam that didn't that didn't go well for adam uh now it's caught on and now there's some momentum and probably like perceived safety in numbers. So other people that have been directly harmed by Colleen, once they feel safe enough, like there's enough padding around them with people that will believe them, they'll probably come out with their stories now too. Oh yeah. We didn't even talk about, I don't think the person who came out and said that they worked for they they their their job was to write down all of Colleen's ideas uh for content and jokes and there were so many mm-hmm. problematic things that they were reporting what what's the name of the website it's like apologize to me.com it's april quarto Kio, who was a screenwriter who worked on haters back off and was apparently one of the only black people in the entire staff and there was just a lot of problematic things that got floated. So I think you're right. There's kind of power in numbers and there's probably going to be a lot more to come because I don't know, like, especially earlier on in this, you almost, you almost are like, well, there's problematic stuff, but none of it's really like, okay, don't, don't be in a, in a chat with your fans that are underage. That's kind of weird. But what did you really do? That's like, but it's just you know it's just a whole pattern of being inappropriate. So you know that that's just if that's the way you live your life, there's more. Also, now that I'm thinking about it, like looking back on the show, the Netflix show, the way the the whole family dynamic kind of plays out. Oh, I wonder if that's from like lived experience. It's so cre- the show is so creepy. It's so bad. Can you describe it a little bit more because I did not watch it myself. So it's her and her sister. Her sister seems to be the only one that's like normal. It's like not like Miranda. Every other character is like weird like Miranda except for the sister. Okay. There's the mom who is a single mom who's very troubled and kind of mousy and quiet. Kind of gives like Duggar mom vibes. Like talks in a really like soft high pitch voice and it's just like very attention seeking and strange and then there's this uncle who's like kind of creepy and is just way too into Miranda wanting to manage her career and they're both just like very delusional delusional about Miranda's talents and capabilities and then there's Miranda's dad who's an uber narcissist, super rich, wants nothing to do with his daughters. All she wants is just to be recognized by him. And he's just like, no, absolutely not. Rejects her really hard. And then there's this like neighborhood guy that's super in love with Miranda, which happens to be her in real life husband. Apparently she was married 
when she met him and cheated on her husband with him oh, on the show oh. and now is married to him. <laughs> I knew she married that person after they had a romance on the show, but I did not know that she cheated on her other husband with that person. Yeah. She was already a whole ass married when she met him. No. Also, her ex-husband has like completely faded into obscurity because her fandom is so awful to him. But yeah, the show's just it's just creepy and gross. The uncle is really bothers me. The uncle super bothers me. The uncle bothers me in the content I've seen through the YouTube channel and there's also a couple of pages in the in the self-help book as well that are just let me see if I can pull it up really quick that are just creepy and it's a it's a very intentional joke about a pedophile uncle there so like in the book she says she has like it's like a book written in Miranda Sings voice and Miranda Sings is this very childlike character so it's all like scribbled out writing and stuff and it says like first date ideas <clears throat> and then there's one that says uncle's house very private place where you can play with your daddy's saddle it's just like what? very explicit yeah like very very explicit um there's another one that's an entire page talking about the different bases and touching and relationships like first base second base and there's a note at the top that says my uncle wrote out the different bases and touching in the relationships and it's just like all this weird, creepy level of detail of all the different bases. It's just creepy. It's just yeah, the whole shows like that. The whole, yeah. I mean, that's the main joke of Miranda Sings besides the ableist stuff. Like the weird, isn't it funny that this person is incompetent and mentally impaired? Also, isn't it funny that this person's uncle is molesting her that's what i don't know that there's any other humor in any of that content am i wrong it's it's not funny it's definitely creepy and gross maybe a 12 year old would think is funny because they don't like fully understand what's going on but if i were a parent of a kid um miranda sings would be absolutely banned just seems like grooming again because it's like it's less funny and more like the kid probably thinks it's cool that an adult is willing to talk about sex with them mm -hmm. mm. so i don't even understand what the point of this character was other than i guess just jumping on an opportunity to use kids to rise to fame but there's got to be some insecurity there i don't know yeah i think the days of exploiting children's viewership to make millions and millions and millions of dollar on, dollars on YouTube is, I think that's coming to an end. Well, I don't know, but it's definitely that whole first generation of people are out of fashion at this point. I don't know how much that has to do with the algorithm, but... Well, the super problematic shit that used to work in, like, 2003, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, like, it was definitely an era... And again, like, it's wild to think that they all, they pretty much all, most of those big, big YouTube creators from that era did blackface at some point. Mm -hmm. I mean, really. And it was not just that, a bunch of problematic content, but that kind of, like, yeah, I don't, I don't think 
that would fly on massive platforms the same way anymore. But it might take a different guise, but that was a wild and and YouTube used to be a lot more right like the right wing kind of stuff would win over a lot more on YouTube. I feel like my memory is that people like ContraPoints got a big shift because they started a bunch of there there started to be a bunch of discussions about that and pulling people back from but they but people still get radicalized on YouTube all the time. So I don't even know. Who do you think is the biggest YouTube creators right now? Ooh. Like there's Bailey Sarian, there's Kendall Ray, there's people like D'Angelo Wallace, there's people like Jarvis Johnson, there's people, I mean, like ContraPoints is almost, I think she's still making content, but it's not quite her era anymore. Love her, but that's where we're at. Same thing with Philosophy Tube. She's badass, but it's like a little past that age. I don't I don't really keep up with like big YouTubers, you know, like my introduction to YouTube. I, I'm not like a long time user of YouTube. It's been the last like four years or so. And I started watching YouTube to get into like the beauty community drama when drama get in was happening with like Jeffree Star and James Charles and like all of them. And then I followed the whole Shane Dawson drama and the downfall of like Jake Paul and Logan Paul. But just my comfort creators on YouTube aren't super, super big, with the exception of D'Angelo Wallace, because he's huge and I absolutely love his content. But like I watch Ask a Mortician (laughs) to like learn about like mortuary science and stuff. And Bailey Sarian, well, she's huge too. But like my everyday comfort creators aren't big, big YouTubers. I watch weird things. I guess I probably do too. I like those kind of, I really liked Lindsay Ellis. I really liked Cracked. And then I kind of migrated to, I like video essay channels. So I do, I will turn on some sort of three hour bullshit about the Rugrats or whatever. Fall asleep (laughs) to that. But I guess you're right. It's I, I think there was a, this heyday of these like massive, it was almost like YouTube influencers. And it's more like just video essayists nowadays. Yeah. Different kind of landscape, which is probably good. And then I think there are big TikTok influencers too. So I think that's just still going on, but probably it's more dispersed among slightly small, like a bunch of slightly smaller accounts rather than two, three, four, five, seven huge accounts. Oh, I also watch every every channel that like reposts Amberlynn Reed content. Those are definitely not big <laughs> accounts. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to do we'll do an episode about Amberlynn Reed all for herself because and we gotta re-record that because I don't feel like I did her justice. But that'll be an interesting episode. And I'm airing out all my dirty laundry with what I watch on YouTube. Definitely Amberlynn Reed. <laughs> Good. Yeah, but I I almost feel like we might have to do another episode on Colleen once more comes out because I I think that is going to roll into a bigger conversation. So I am interested to see where, where we end up or where it goes next. Thank you for listening. Find additional content at doxtthepodcast.com.